following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Everybody loves honey glazed carrots. A great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stalking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! My name is Matt Perez. My name is Satchel Drakes. And this is Overworld, where we try to be curious, fail at being smart, and talk about video games at the intersection of art, society, and other stuff. But first, a quick break. Taking a moment to thank our sponsors, Veridesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Forbes Overworld Conversations. Uh, Today, we have just myself, but not to worry. I've brought on an amazing guest onto the show to discuss the inner workings of enthusiast press within gaming. Uh, We're joined by Forrest Lee. He's based out of Seattle. Uh, He's an award-winning producer and editor who has worked for major gaming outlets such as The Game Theorist and The Film Theorist with a combined active audience of 16 million. Um, He's won the 2016 Streamy Award for Best Gaming Channel and the latest Streamy Award for Best Editing. Um, He's worked with Digino Gaming, an outlet with over 2 million followers, and is famous for his documentary on Nintendo's Satoru Iwata, uh, which was covered by the likes of Vice and Vox Media. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. You're making me blush. (laughs) That is a a decorated... Yeah, <laughs> uh, that is a decorated situation uh, that you have there. So for those who don't know, uh, the Streamy Awards is often referred to as the Streamies, and it's presented annually by Dick Clark Productions and TubeFilter to recognize and honor excellence in online video, including directing, acting, producing, and writing. Uh, the formal ceremony is in L.A., um, and it's the first envelope opening live streamed award show. So congratulations to you and your your. Thank award you so much. Yeah, that's that's super duper awesome. Um, so, I I find it tremendous, but I'd say it's doubly tremendous within the context of gaming. You know, gaming and and all the issues around it have always been tied to how people react to it. It's always been tied to reviews and and major outlets and major sites reacting to it. How do you feel people in your space of the enthusiast press impact gaming culture overall? I, I think gaming is this unique medium where it requires interaction from the person uh, who is consuming it. Yeah. So, so something like a film or a TV show, uh, it's, it's a very passive consumption of that media. Uh, and, and I think just the fact that since people play the games, they have more of an investment and an impact because a developer wants someone to keep playing their games. Right. Yeah. So they're going to listen to the feedback. <laughs> it feels maybe, like yeah, maybe it's very much like a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe they're more invested in in responding to that feedback uh, than a film studio would be. Like, like you look at studios like Blizzard, right, who constantly have updates talking to their audience because they have ongoing games that people keep playing. Yeah. I, I think when you have an audience that is constantly engaged, some of them will want to make content about it, right? Yeah, totally fair. Yeah. Which is how people like you and me, uh, out of the blue one day, were like, I, I want to make this essay about Sonic 3. 
right? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It definitely feels like we've like normalized a or the by the, the very nature of gaming in general has sort of normalized this line of communication um where we're constantly asking, "Hey, like is is this okay? Like does this make sense?" Like is this, um <laughs> Even probably even for us too, you know, like we we almost like feed into that culture when we make our reaction videos. I, I'm 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 really curious to know how how did you get involved in all of this? So when I was in college, I I, I was exposed to a bunch of online creators like uh, Ego Raptor and Did You Know Gaming and and people like that. Yeah, and I saw those videos and I thought these are really cool. I could do something like this. I was going to school for, uh, for film at the time. Oh, right on. And I, and, yeah. And I, I had the equipment because of, uh, we, we had access to some like DSLR stuff through the school. I thought, Hey, I can do that. I have the ability. So I, I just did. And I was one of the lucky people who got noticed by, uh, it was Gerard Khalil who was the first person who noticed my stuff. Of course. And he like, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And he, he put it, put it up on his website, uh, that one video gamer.com. And that it just sort of expanded from there. That's really cool. And it's through there that you sort of started making a relationship with uh, um, yep. the folks at Game Theorists and stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, Gerard's... Uh, actually, the Game Theory... Uh, <laughs> it's, this is a really cool story. I had, a, I had a show just on my personal channel that was about like the history of Smash Brothers stuff. Like, like uh, I would take a level and be like, where does all the stuff in this level come from from the games? Like, where did all this Zelda level... What were, where were the origins in the games? Yeah. And there was a show on the Game Theorist channel that was a little similar. And one of my friends just tweeted at Matthew Patrick, being like, hey, my friend also makes a show like this. And the stars aligned that day, and Matt saw that tweet. He had, like, hundreds of thousands That's of followers so, at the Yeah, time. I know. That's so interesting yeah. <laughs> that he was, like, honing in at that level. That's cool. Yeah, and I it just, by chance, saw that tweet, uh, checked my stuff out, and then contacted me that's really cool yeah and at that time yeah that really is stars aligning at that time like gerard and matt were in very close communication with each other i'd love to know more about this iwata documentary that that you put together what was sort of the genesis of that and what what do you think about it like took off uh i'm not sure how much of that has to do with me and how much of that has to do with iwata (laughs) to be completely honest fair Uh, yeah yeah for those of uh, you unaware, Satoru Iwata was the president of Nintendo, and he unfortunately passed away, uh, I, think, I think, in 2015, uh, as a result of a complication from bile duct cancer. And when that happened, I, uh, I, I knew he was an intelligent guy, but I just kind of looked into his history, and he'd done so much for like Nintendo and their gaming. Like, and I'm not talking just as like a businessman. He was like a, he started as a programmer. And just worked his way up and, like, learned business skills because he needed to. And just worked his way up through the company. And I thought, this was this guy's amazing. And uh, I contacted Shane, Shane Gill, who runs Digino Gaming. And I was like, hey, would you want to do this video about him? Just uh, chronicling uh, his accomplishments and, and what he did for gaming. Because, I mean, I'm pretty plugged in and I didn't know a lot of the stuff he'd done. So just having a concise, like... Hey, I, I bet you didn't know he did this, and then this, and then this, and then this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of these games that you loved playing growing up, he had a hand in. And yeah, I, I think we managed to tap into an emotional center there with a lot of people who realized, oh man, this guy was very talented, 
and very kind and very nice and also due to tragic circumstances is no longer with us and i, I just think that struck a chord with people yeah i i feel like the whole community really felt it i know your voice for uh <laughs> <laughs> for 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 making videos and you always tug at my heartstrings and my tear ducts thanks man <laughs> uh, so you're heavily involved in this world to this to this day of sort of like producing and editing within the context of enthusiast press stuff and I, i'm i'm really curious to know like what is your what's the schedule like what's a typical week like <laughs> for you how do you organize that because i mean the nature of this thing is that it's not this one compact organized nine to five situation yeah. my week's are less structured around the the seven day cycle and more structured around this is a deadline that they need to that I need to hit so people up the chain can uh, also hit their deadlines right no pressure so yeah no <laughs> so uh, typically someone I work for will hit me up with like hey uh, we have this project would you be able to do it by this date and uh, we'd work something out like uh, if if I needed help. We'd uh, get someone else to hop on to, or sometimes I'm the person helping out someone else. Uh, and then it's it's pretty much uh, I I try to organize it into six to eight hour workdays, but I, I work from home, so it just kind of ends up being uh, whenever I'm at my office computer, I just I I have Premiere up, I have After Effects up, and I'm I'm just working just in the background, even while I I'm watching YouTube or Netflix or something. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I love that. I love the full circle. I love the poetic full circle in all of that. That's great. Yeah, it might be a little unhealthy, but that's fine. <laughs> and we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Overworld podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. And this year, the office cubicle turns 50 years old. It hails from an age when work was done on typewriters and smoking at your desk was the norm. Today, employees are expecting more from their workspace. They want flexible and active spaces where they can collaborate and feel energized. Veridesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement to any workday. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health, boost energy, and increase productivity. Veridesk has a variety of desk solutions that replace traditional office setups, require little to no assembly, and are ready to use in minutes. Plus, Veridesk products are made from commercial-grade materials meant to last a lifetime. They're easy to move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. You can try Veridesk risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns if you're not satisfied. See it for yourself at Veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. Feel free to decline to answer this question 
where do you glean a lot of inspiration from? Like, is it, it like when you're, whenever you watch kind of like an online video, I imagine you're watching stuff that pertains to gaming. Like, is is there sort of, is it also kind of research in a way? And is there anyone that kind of floats uh, on the top? Yeah, I guess it, it kind of, it kind of is. Most of my inspiration comes from, well, so I'll like play a game, right? Yeah. And I, actually most of the inspiration comes from conversations with my friends who I, I guess are also content creators. So it's, uh, it, it's a really easy, a really easy conversation to have. I, I get, I get to have a constant back and forth with <laughs> these, these people, right. Instead of just watching their videos. Yeah. I have one friend in particular, uh, his name is Todd Schlickburned, toddly oh. enough on Twitter. And I've had so many good conversations that will just spark an idea of, a cause he's a genius. Like, yeah. Right. Todd is great. I love Todd. <laughs> and he'll just like, like word vomit, these great ideas and then just walk away. And I'm like, no, that was a great, wait, what? No, that, <laughs> that was a whole video essay yeah. unto itself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I'm, I'm replaying fallout four right now. And he and I were talking about the relationships in those games and, and how they're really realistic in a way because the, the people that you take with you who end up liking you, like you because you also do the things that they're good at doing. So mechanically, there's no reason to take them. You have to take these characters because you like them. And we had a great conversation conversation about that, and that's I'm going to work on an essay about that. I think a little uh, <laughs> preview, I guess. That's really cool. I I really actually I kind of like where you went with that because my next question is sort of like as somebody who has a a more formal background in film, I'm curious to know how you feel. Um, production and editing within the context of gaming coverage is is different how it sort of differs from mm-hmm. anything else you know it's surprisingly similar when, when i'm like thinking out uh an essay and i'm like oh i want this shot i, I you, you just do it in a game instead of going out with a camera you still have to like use the tools in the game to get the shot you want. You have to use the rules of, of filmmaking to make those shots look good. Yeah. Uh, especially in like a 3d game. I honestly, it's easier because, uh, anyone can spend, uh, however much money like it is to get a bandy cam license and, and like record footage on their desktop. They don't have to like buy all the expensive equipment and be in an area to go get these shots. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that answers your question. No, but, it does. I mean, it, yeah, yeah there, it, it's very easy to be to be economical about it. Yeah, that's how I think a lot of people like me were able to start an enthusiast press uh, because the barrier of entry is so much lower. So, like, you just go off of your drive, your want to do it, yeah, and the like skills that you have. You don't have to have a, a bunch of money right and that's yeah. i think that's really cool that is the beauty of it because what you get from that are more voices you know what i mean that and, yep, exactly. you know, what, I, what i'm kind of curious to know in that so you, now you've been doing this consistently for how many years it's been a while uh i started in wow I, I started in 2012 so this is six years now i'm curious to know yeah just what your what your journey's been like and how, how you feel you sort of grown maybe there was something that you had always like you didn't feel you were super strong at, but now you feel like you've got a better grasp on. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a, yeah, you're going to have to give me a second. Um, <laughs> For sure. I would say the thing I, I, 
I feel like I've gotten better at the most is using the tools, I guess. Uh, when I started, I uh, had barely... I, I'd put together timelines in Premiere, but I'd never touched After Effects. I had never uh, done color correction like Resolve and stuff like that. And mm. Are these a part think, of your arsenal now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all I kind of switched between all three of those programs. That's great. Yeah, other than that, I think timing and editing has gotten better. I've learned that less is more, I think. Instead of trying mm. to cram everything, you can just let something sit and let a point kind of simmer over silence sometimes. That's the most powerful tool. I'm smiling like yeah. ear to ear hearing you say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, That's great. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's some truth. That's some truth if anyone's ever said any. That's good. Oh man! Yeah, I, I I wish I I'm not sure if that's a satisfactory answer. I feel no, that's like a I'm, great I'm answer. You. The best answer is your answer. So, um, and I let this kind of be like the final question. Um, sure. For people who are kind of like, I mean, like you said, like this is a very accessible space, and I, I have to imagine there there's a great deal of people that are sort of like in the community who um, who want to throw their hat in the ring. What would be like the number one thing that uh, you would want them to know going into it? Uh, so I early on r- made the mistake of trying to do what everyone else was doing instead of trying to do what I wanted to do. And uh, I, I think if you go in with a real passion and you you say what you want to say with your own voice. I don't I don't even think it necessarily has to be some you don't have to say anything really groundbreaking, but if you go in and th- say what you have to say using the voice that is uniquely you, that's a, that's what is going to get people to watch. Um I don't think I do anything particularly groundbreaking in terms of my like visual editing. Well, you are a liar. Go off, though. <laughs> well, Go off, I guess. <laughs> well, well, thanks. I'm blushing again. Uh, <laughs> but I, I try to say things that I that jump out to me, right? The, uh, the things about content that I really like, or the things about something that I I think can be better. If you talk about that, what matters to you, people are going to care, and it, it might take a while, but. Hey, that's fine. That's great. I love that. And that is a perfect yeah. place to that's a perfect place to conclude. Thank you so much for for joining and sharing sort of where you land with everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love you to share um if there's anything in particular you're working on currently that you want people to know and then also where people can find you on the online, on the social yeah. on the wherever. Yeah. Uh, uh I just got hired at a place I can't talk about currently. Okay. Um, but you can follow me at, on Twitter at Forest First, F-O-R-R-E-S-T-F-U-R-S-T. And uh, I'll be posting stuff there in uh, anything I'm working on. And, and <laughs> there's a lot of stuff I'm working on that I'm really excited that I wish I could talk about. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Right on. Right on. Coming up, Paul and Eric talk about the massive new changes coming to Call of Duty Black Ops 4. But first, a quick break. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. 
ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies the people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Hi, I'm Eric Kane. And I'm Paul Tassie. And this is our first recording where I am in my new home office where I no longer live in Chicago, where there will be constantly sirens going off in the background <laughs> and construction and my wife moving things around because now I live in the suburbs and have an office with a door on it. So we'll, we'll see if that improves the quality of our, our podcast, Any? Yeah. yeah. Moving on up, huh? I guess, uh, yeah, moving moving out to the middle of nowhere, but it's very nice. <laughs> so, yeah, are you gonna? Do you feel like you're gonna miss Chicago? I do. Um, I mean, I'm not like a huge city person, but I, I did grow to love Chicago. I was there for four years, and I still got a couple friends who live there. But I don't know. I, I really like uh, Ohio more than I thought I was going to, which <laughs> I, I wouldn't have expected. But it is very nice here. So, yeah, well, that's good. I'm, I'm not a big city person myself, so being a little more rural has always been nice. But yeah, having your own, uh, at least a room for an office is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've been waiting for like 10 years for this, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was working out of my closet in my master bedroom, so that that was fun. Nice. Um, yes. <laughs> it actually worked It worked pretty well, but it was a little, little cramped at times. Um, Just a bit. But yeah, yeah. I have an office downtown. <laughs> here in Flagstaff. So yeah, I've never done the, the different office space. I've thought about that, but now I guess I don't need to. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, it helps. I mean, it's, it's got pros and cons. Like it's nice to get away from the house. Sometimes when you work at home, you can get to, or I, I don't know, I get a little too uh, drawn into sort of house stuff, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely you know, got to fix this, got to clean that, got to, you know, so, um, but you, you have like a, a full house now with a yard and everything. Yeah, not like a huge yard, but enough where I got to like figure out how to cut grass again for the first time in a decade and a half. So, <laughs> I recommend the uh, the non motorized uh, for for a small yard the non motorized lawnmowers. Oh the yeah, the ones push. with the blades that just zip around. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, you don't have to fuel, put any fuel in them or start them. They just they just go. It's pretty handy. Yeah, less, less noise. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well. Um, for this for this first uh, Ohio slash Arizona podcast, we will be talking about uh, for, uh, Black Ops Four, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Four, which got its big reveal last week um, with some some rumors and leaks were confirmed. Basically, uh, no single player campaign and a battle royale mode called Blackout. What did you make of all of it? Yeah, I've I don't know. I've kind of gone through like a process of my thoughts changing over time. Like I've always been a big, like, Oh, multiplayer only shooters are bad. And like, it's going to be the worst if you cut out a campaign, but 
I don't know. I, 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 I kind of understand this move and I do ultimately think it was the right call to make. Like, I don't know if this will be a permanent thing and we'll never see another Call of Duty campaign again. But I, I don't know. When when I when I take the two options and I weigh like, well, do I want to play my 11th, six-hour, five-hour, you know, Call of Duty campaign or would I rather have them use those resources to create a possibly awesome, like, larger-scale Battle Royale-type game with Call of Duty, you know, controls and mechanics that I like already – I don't know. I kind of want them to do something new. And like, I understand that if they're going to do that, they don't have the resources to also do a campaign and traditional multiplayer and zombies. So I guess yeah. I'll cut them some slack. So I, I am, I've always been a big single player guy, but I, I, I kind of have come around to this. Like granted, we'll see how it goes, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I guess it really depends on how it turns out. I think I'm actually less kind of, I, I, th- I thought that the you know lack of a single player campaign would be kind of the biggest thing that that raised eyebrows, but I'm a little even more maybe, uh, I wouldn't say bothered, but just kind of like a little concerned about what the actual multiplayer looks like, which is you know really doubling down on kind of the hero shooter aspect of Black Ops Three. That that to me like almost it's almost bringing in like elements of Destiny or or Rainbow Six Siege or, or these other games in the multiplayer it really looks different than any other Call of Duty multiplayer we've seen. So then when you add that and uh, no single player and now a Battle Royale mode, you just have such a different looking uh, Call of Duty game than we've seen and really ever seen. Yeah, and like, that is cool. It's just, I, I wonder if they're trying to do too many things at once. Like, it's not just like, okay, we're gonna take on Fortnite this year with the Battle Royale mode. It's like, they have elements to take on, you know, Battlefield with vehicles, uh, you know, class stuff for Overwatch, like tactical stuff with Rainbow Six Siege. Like, it is a lot. And it is, like, I get that Call of Duty is quote-unquote stale and whatever, and it's got to mix things up. But it is still an extremely successful game. And Black Ops alone was probably enough to sell it on on the franchise history. So I, I am a little curious if they're going to change too much and try to take on like too many of their rivals all at the same time, which seems yeah. <laughs> a little odd, like it, not just one, but like five different, you know, rival shooters at once. Um, you know, they could come up with something really cool from that, or it could be not great. Cause like, I don't know it, you know, battle Royale sounds cool, but I'm not, I don't know how I feel about like a more overwatch based, you know, more class centric system uh, in call of duty, for instance, or I don't know how vehicles, will play and control in Call of Duty when it hasn't had them since like COD 3 or whatever it's been. So that I think I'm a little more worried about that aspect of it than I am like, oh, the Battle Royale is going to be terrible. Because I bet it won't be, but yeah, all this other stuff, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I mean, I think that, you know, people, it's so funny. People are always like, oh, of course they're doing Battle Royale, another Battle Royale game. And I, and I always sort of hear that and I think, well... How many battle? There aren't that many battle royale games. Yeah, there's not two. like actual battle. <laughs> yeah, there's there's really two viable battle royale games, and then a few other games that are kind of you know that have announced modes or, you know, I mean we've got uh, what the the paladins battle royale like that's going to be a thing. But you know, like that's that's kind of small small potatoes. So we've got two big battle royale games, and we you know we obviously need more than that to have a competitive genre. You know, yeah, I mean, it, we don't just have two first-person shooters. And that's the thing, yeah, <laughs> like, it is, it is a genre. It's not like, it's, it's essentially a mode within an FPS. It's not, I don't know, I don't really view Battle Royale as, like, the same thing as, like, an MMO. 
where right. like from the ground up, it, it has to be built for that express purpose or even, even like a MOBA is still kind of similar to that. Whereas Battle Royale, you need a big map and the capacity to have a lot of players, I guess. But really, that's that's kind of all you need. It's just it's just kind of a an expansion of the current first person shooter landscape. So if that's like the cool mode everyone wants to play, and your game has the ability to use its existing mechanics and the existing structure, and then just build like all you have to really do is build a map for it and make some tweaks to the formula, and you're good to go. It's not like yeah. you know Call of Duty turning into an MMO or something, which would be like a ground up kind of reshaping of the series. Whereas this can just right. be an additional mode that kind of fits logically right in with everything else. So I do think the battle royale quote unquote craze is, is a lot different than kind of these past thing, you know, we've seen before. Well, battle royale doesn't even have to be a shooter. I mean, you could, you could take like a, you know, you could take dark souls and you could drop a hundred dark souls players onto a big map and have them go find weapons and go fight each other. You know, I mean, it could be, it could be any kind of, it could be all cars. It could be, you know, different kinds of animals. It, it could be any kind of thing. Like the, it's the concept is that it's a big map, a bunch of players all fighting to see who survives. And that, that can span all kinds of different uh, gameplay mechanics. And, and something like call of duty is just fundamentally different than something like Fortnite. I mean, they share virtually nothing in common, right? Yeah. Uh, like their, their shooting mechanics are so incredibly different. And, you know, Fortnite is a lot about building and, you know, that that's as important as your ability to, to shoot. Um, you know, so the, I mean, I guess PUBG would be a little closer to to um, Call of Duty, but still, it's fundamentally a third person game with with a first person mode. Whereas Call of Duty is a you know a, a first person series that's been around for a long time with very refined shooting mechanics. I don't know. I think it's going to be different enough, even if it's not like something revolutionary. It should be different enough to fill a new niche for people. I mean, I think a lot of people don't like Fortnite's shooting, for instance. A lot of people think it, the gunplay is not that great, and so having games with better gunplay is going to be especially fantastic, on console. I think. I think, I think the yeah. real opportunity here is is on console. Because like, yeah, Fortnite is fine on console, but uh, you know, not to be a PC elitist, but I think especially with with the building aspect of it, it is much better to play it on on PC, considering all that you have going on. Where in contrast, yeah. Call of Duty has been you know kind of the console shooter forever. And to put a battle royale mode in, royale mode in that, it'll be easy to, for players to kind of just slide into using, you know, their existing Call of Duty skills, and they're not going to have to master building or whatever. Like, I think there's enough room there where Call of Duty sees the opportunity to potentially kind of dominate the console battle royale space. You know, where Fortnite has something of a foothold, and PUBG has, you know, some players there too. But you know, Call of Duty is going to be the best selling game of this year, unless probably unless Red Dead beats it, like it, without question. Yeah. And to establish kind of a, an install base that's that big immediately, like they have a real shot at doing something, you know, kind of a, a incredible here. And like, I don't know if that's going to be the case with future Battle Royale games. Like a Blizzard comes out with one in two years, like, you know, it might be too late then, but this does seem like kind of striking where the iron is hot to the point where, you know, it's, it's only what, three, four months from now or five months from now. So yeah. that's still going to be, five. yeah, that'll be what, like season six of Fortnite. And I don't see the trend, you know, fading that rapidly. So I, I do think this is a good positioning moment for them. Yeah, no, I think, it, I think you're right about that. I think, I think it's definitely not too late to get in on this. And, and yeah, I mean, just Call of Duty's 
player base is already, you know, it's already such a massive thing that it really should be, you know, I, I, I what else is interesting is kind of the other changes coming to, well, okay. There's some rumored and then there's some confirmed. For instance, uh, this, this call of duty will not launch on steam. It's going to be on BattleNet, just like destiny two launched on BattleNet, And that seems to be part of an effort to get an actual PC base on, uh, on a, Call of Duty game, which has just not been the case. Yep. Uh, most Call of Duties sort of fizzle out pretty quickly on PC, uh, but with a battle royale mode, I think they do need to. They they can't just do console. They have to have they have to have their fingers everywhere. And um, then there's also rumors that uh, there won't be a season pass for multiplayer. There will there'll be free maps released every month, rather than having map packs sold, um, which would be a, another first for this series. Um, we knew that was coming someday, <laughs> and I think that's a good and it, point. Yeah, it is. And, and really, we're starting to see, like, with this focus on multiplayer, with this focus on, you know, if they do have the free maps and they have, you know, they obviously have the Battle Royale, they're moving to Battle.net instead of Steam. It's looking more and more like Call of Duty as a game game of service, right, rather than kind of what we've seen, which is, a, you know, you buy the game, you buy the season pass, you get the map packs, you buy the next game. Like, I can see, I mean, Treyarch was supporting Black Ops 3, while Infinite Warfare and uh, World War II came out, you know, they were releasing new zombies stuff and, and new things well beyond, you know, the, the sort of two year plan that, that we usually see. Um, so they have and they've said in the announcement, this is going to be something for, that people will play and enjoy for years to come. So I really sort of see this as like their attempt to create something that isn't just the annual release model. They're trying to do something a little bit different. Well, Which that, also fits in with the no single player. How much do you want to bet they're going to have a battle pass? <laughs> oh, something like it, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and well, there will be a lot of outrage over that because it's a $60 game and <laughs> Fortnite is not. Yeah. But if they're not going to sell map packs, <laughs> like if they're not going to sell map packs and maybe they'll skip loot boxes too, I'm not going to guarantee that, but <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, and if they switch to a purely battle pass model like Fortnite, that would be better, I think. I, I don't know. Like that seems well, yeah. better than than splitting people with map packs and selling loot boxes. Like I like that more. <laughs> well, and also it's it's certainly better than splitting the player base with map packs. I mean, they're already going to be splitting the player base with a battle royale mode and and zombies and which we'll talk about zombies in a minute. But um, you know, like people say, okay, well you, you can't sell anything on top of the on top of the base sixty dollars for the game. But I mean, look at what. To be fair, what what Call of Duty comes with is. You know, multiple maps in their standard, you know, uh, competitive multiplayer, you know, like Domination and uh, uh, Team Deathmatch and all these different modes that will have multiple maps for that. Then they'll have a, a the, this blackout with this giant uh, Battle Royale map. Then they'll have they have three different Zombies modes also. So this is a game that comes with quite a lot of content compared to Fortnite, which comes with one map, you know, and yeah. one Really, one well, also, I, times. Like, I can't so. keep fighting this argument of like, no, if you charge $60, you can't have any microtrend. Like, man, it's 2018. Like, the, the world has moved on. <laughs> like, I well, get, I, how, I mean, you know, that's been a popular thing, but we gotta, we gotta flex a little bit here. And I think we're still calling out like bad, you know, implementations of additional microtransactions when they happen yeah. and they happen often. But I, I don't think it's reasonable to expect games to say sixty dollars forever with no price increases and no microtransactions. <laughs> just like it's just that's not feasible. Yeah. And I, I don't think continuing to pretend it is feasible is is has serves a purpose. <laughs> well, you gotta think like, okay, <laughs> 
Fortnite is a free game. Sure, okay. Um, but what if you buy, you know, you're buying the battle passes and you're spending money on these premium skins? I mean, it takes like literally three skins to be a six to, for that to become a $60 yeah. It's three game. skins, six battle three. passes. Like that's it, and then you've that's, already spent that's $60. not much. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, like, if if it's okay for that to be okay, I don't. I really don't see why it's a problem to have something like a battle pass in a game like. Call it. Now, if Call of Duty came out and it had one map and, you know, ditched all the other content that it came out with and still charged $60, you know, like there's obviously going to be a you line. You do run into situations like that where like that happened with with uh, Battlefront 1 where that was $60 yeah. and it felt like 40% of the game with the other 60% in the huge season pass. So like that felt like kind of a direct ripoff. So I, in that situation, I think that was justified. In this situation, less so. I mean... Call of Duty could theoretically move to be free to play someday if that just kind of becomes the thing and like all games shift to completely games of service. But it, there's no reason for it to do that at this point. Like you don't, you're not the best selling game of the year every year and then just stop selling $60 box copies. Like that would be nuts. <laughs> so I, that would, you a know, lot I, of investors would be very upset. <laughs> just, there's, there's no, we, the consumers have given them no reason to do that. Like if sales were just half, like, you know, reduced by 50% year after year, then sure, maybe it's time to mix it up. But I think this is kind of a worthwhile experiment they're doing. And I think it'll be very successful. Well, I certainly think getting rid of the the map packs is a great idea. That's just fundamentally a bad idea in general for a shooter like this, because every time a new map pack comes out, you know, that's great. It's fun for the players who have the season pass, but for all the other players, it's just you don't get to play those maps and it's bit by bit that that player pool is diminished and and that just sort of robs the community of of its vibrance and its longevity longevity and so that's a if that really is true and they're getting rid of that that's fantastic i, I did also hear that they're going to keep the season pass for zombies which makes a lot more sense in that you know zombies is a well now you can play zombies solo also with with ai which i think for me personally is great news because i don't know about you but do you play the zombies mode? Not a ton. I mean, a little bit every year, but not. I'm not like an yeah, avid zombies bit. person. Well, it's because you need. I mean, you really again, like it's better. It's better with friends, right? Like, yeah, you can play with with randoms. You can match make and everything, but that's that's always kind of a risk. And so, having the ability to play solo, I think, is great. If the AI isn't um, terrible, we'll say. <laughs> if the AI isn't terrible, so that yeah, lots lots hinges on that. But uh, it's better than just trying to play by yourself completely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Then you're. So I don't know. So many changes with this game. It's going to be really interesting to see how it how it all turns out. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for it. And I wasn't, you know, if it was just another year of like, oh, you know, we've just cast, you know, Mila Ventimiglia as the villain this year in the campaign. Like, I, I feel like I would be less <laughs> excited about just another kind of standard yeah. campaign with A-list cameos and whatever um, than I am what they're doing here. It is sort of weird to kind of take this. It has been at least a somewhat narrative-driven series over the years, mm-hmm. and and to just kind of make it now, it's just like a hodgepodge of <laughs> multiplayer modes, which I guess is fine. Um, it, 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 doing this every year with like all these different settings would feel kind of weird um, if there's mm-hmm. just never any sort of real narrative to it again. Like I, I keep hearing that they're like, oh, well, the narrative is woven into the different modes, and like. Okay, well, <laughs> we'll yeah. see if that works. Titanfall like, 1. Yeah, t- exactly. Titanfall <laughs> 1, where someone's yelling at you over the radio as you're playing a multiplayer match, and that's supposed to be like a campaign. <laughs> I ho- yeah. hope they actually don't do that. But. It's, it's so interesting to me. Like, Titanfall 1, Titanfall 2 was so much more enjoyable for me because of the campaign, you know? And, like, 
I get where, where people come from when they say, well, these games should focus on what they do best, which is the multiplayer. That's what keeps people playing. But, like, imagine if Titanfall 2 hadn't had a campaign. Like, I have such great memories of that campaign. I really I, enjoyed it. Yeah, I just think it depends. Because, like, I, I think there are single-player campaigns. Like, okay, so, like, Wolfenstein or whatever, or Doom is, like, pretty much the thing is the campaign for the most part. Like, that is the main meat of it. And it's it's going to be a really worthwhile experience because that's, like, 80% of content. And then occasionally you can get a balance like Titanfall 2 where you have an awesome single-player campaign and an awesome multiplayer component. But I would argue that Call of Duty, at least for a while, has not really had a campaign that's been like truly amazing. Like There have been some okay ones, right. but nothing that's like breakout awesome. And I read, I read a stat that it was something like 4% of players finished the Black Ops 3 campaign. And like everyone else just went I think it was, straight to multiplayer. Like I, I read it was forty percent over that, I read right. it was forty percent over the lifetime of like the last ten Call of Duty games. But I, I heard Black Ops yeah. 3 specifically, the story campaign of finishing it was was four percent. Maybe that's wrong, but it was a weird e- either case, even if it's ten percent <laughs> or fifteen percent, like I can kind of see, you know, but how many people are gonna play the battle royale mode? Everyone. And like there's monetization yeah. potential there in addition to it potentially being fun. So Yes, this makes yep. the most sense. <laughs> even even single player games, most players don't finish. I mean, a lot of those like some of them are just too big. I didn't finish Wolfenstein. It was like sixty <laughs> percent or something finished that. Maybe maybe it's less fifty percent. I think the I highest know. was Mass Effect two or Mass Effect two or three at, and I think that was like fifty percent, <laughs> and that was like really well, high. Like, I think some of the shorter single player games have pretty high finish rates. I don't know. I'd have to look all that up, but, but yeah, I mean, and I guess then the question is like, is finishing it, is that the, is that the stat we want to look at for whether people enjoy it? I mean, do some people just not have time to finish games? I mean, you I know? like I don't think I don't so, know. but like, I, I would say if that 4% number is right and like people don't have time to, or don't want to finish what, like a five hour campaign, like what's, I mean, what's really the point then? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I think they're, you know, okay, so 40% is a pretty high number in this industry. Like, you know, that's still fine. We're not going to stop making single player games because, you know, over half the people don't finish them. They're still fun. But I think your numbers can get low enough where making kind of an expensive campaign that, you know, you can't make any extra money on. Like, people don't care about that much. And if you can use those resources to do something else that more people will play that you can make money on, you're going to do that. <laughs> so I guess we'll yeah, see how that goes suppose- this year, but... Yeah, if if the gameplay is fun, people will like the game. I mean, that's if the multiplayer is fun, it, it's going to sell well. It's going to do great. If the if the battle royale is also good, it's going to sell really well. It might sell even better than than something like World War Two, which is the best selling game in in the last few years. I, I mean, it really depends on how their implementation of this hodgepodge of shooter elements and everything else um, actually feels and plays. Uh, and that we won't know until, well, I guess until the beta. Yeah, and I mean, I guess we'll give them a little bit of a grace period since this is their first stab at this. But I, I don't know, like everything, you know, Call of Duty fundamentals are just are, are rock solid. And, you know, for them to be able to manage, you know, traditional multiplayer, to do the war mode, which is fun, to do zombies. Like, I, I do have faith that they're going to be able to figure this out. My only concern would be about timetable. Because, like, I don't know when this decision was made to cut the campaign. Because, like, I heard they were doing a campaign, then they just didn't have time to finish it (laughs) and Fortnite didn't really blow up until what like three months ago ish like fully blow up like even even though it released in in november whatever it was like 
it's it has it didn't become like a worldwide phenomenon until a couple months ago so that's a kind of a short <laughs> turnaround window if they weren't planning on doing something like that already so that would be my only point of concern but i guess we'll see yeah yeah it's interesting also because they're like there are three zombies maps launching at at launch you know and that's kind of that's totally new so it's like you you wonder how much i mean some a lot of these rumors have turned out true so i wouldn't be surprised if yeah they just scrapped the campaign even though they had a couple of years work on it but I mean, like, were they, were, what was the real culprit there? Was it because they were yeah. trying to do a campaign in three different zombies modes and <laughs> multiplayer and, you know, or was it that, you know, they, they just couldn't finish it. So then they tacked on the, the well, Battle we, Royale or like what we don't. Really we talked about this later with the potential for them releasing like surprise. Here's we did. We did make a campaign and we're patching yeah, it in for yeah. free just because we love you. Like, you know what I mean? Like. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't either. It might it might take a couple months, but I I could see something like that happening. Like maybe it's short, but it, you know that could be like their goodwill gesture of the year or whatever. I mean, I wouldn't expect that to be a regular thing. But this year, if they did have like half a campaign baked, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they. You know, they should start doing is releasing the campaign in episodic format, like Zombies is released, and just put it put all that stuff in the season pass. Yeah, that's you not know? bad. I'm yeah. I always lose like the narrative thread whenever I have to play episodic games. <laughs> but if they're like months in between, like all the telltale, all the telltale games, I'm like, ah, oh, what was happening? Ah, now forget it. <laughs> the worst though, the worst, the one that I just, I, I never could quite figure out the ending was Half-Life, the Half-Life two episodes. Oh yeah. Because they never released the last one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a key component of that. that, 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 that <laughs> Gotta release them all. Yeah. That ever, ever. Ever since that, I've never trusted episodic games, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, what if you just don't finish? What if you just pull a George R.R. R. Martin? <laughs> just go on forever. <laughs> Sorry, not saying that Martin won't finish Game of Thrones, but he probably won't finish Game of Thrones. So yeah. Just throwing that out there to, to brighten everyone's day. Um, well, okay. Well, well, we'll keep, you know, E3 is right around the corner. There will be lots and lots more to see about Black Ops 4 in the, in the coming weeks, including, and, you know, so many other games. But, um yeah, this right now. I guess I'm feeling. I guess if I had to just kind of sum it all up, I am feeling pretty optimistic about Black Ops Four, even without the campaign, which is a little surprising. I thought I'd be a little more, um, a little more down about it, but it's looking pretty good. All right, we'll talk to you guys next week. See you. See you. That's it for this episode of Overworld. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Perez. And I'm Satchel Drakes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach us at overworld at podcast1. That's O-N-E dot com. And also you can reach us on Twitter. My handle is at Satchel Drakes. That's Satchel like a bag with an extra L. And mine is Matt Ryan Perez. Thanks for listening. Take care. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group, and I have a new podcast here on Podcast One called Office Hours. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. Join me twice a month on Office Hours, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. At Farmers Insurance, we know a roof can withstand a lot. One exception being an airborne car. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. 
at the border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.